0: Oh my god, I'm starting to shake, man. I know. Just don't open yourself up don't to try them. I'm trying, man. Do I'm not say it. you're starting to shake. Okay. I, don't open yourself up to them. That can be dangerous. Come here! Do it! Stop running! Go back in. Do not, not fing run. run! Go back in. Come fight me in the dark. I wanna provoke the hell out of them.
1: Welcome to come <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> to come fight me in the dark. The only podcast with the keen edge to chop through Zach and his bros bullshit. I'm Joel Kleinberger.
2: And I'm Eric Hoofnagel.
1: And Eric, it is time to hack and chop that meat of that
2: boy. <laughs> hack, whack, chop, of chop that, that meat. meat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because god damn it, oh. which is Warlock's, it is the scene of the beginning, the, the pupil stage of American obsession with true crime. Because we are talking about the Lizzie Borden
2: house.
0: Bed and breakfast. <laughs> We're standing at the site of an unsolved double axe murder. A brutal crime that took place over a century ago. That evil deed has led this house in Fall River, Massachusetts, to be one of the darkest haunts in all of New England. Sounds so like aggression. Sounds like someone taking it out even though they know they're, they're dead. They just keep doing it. Personal. Or somebody possessed by a demon. So there was a dark cloud hanging over there from before the time the board is even in. They seem to have fun with the murder weapons here. It's wrong.
2: I feel
0: sick. can't imagine that my body, this arm, is going to be fertilizer someday. I see all these graves, all these past lives. All of the stories, all of the moments, up, all the emotions. I squeeze, think I found I it. Hope went to nope, I just found Woodcock. Oh, this, this, is is cute. Cute. this is cute. you kind say of Yes, here at the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast, we treat everyone like family. In that oh. same
2: old Man, way, give me the damn act. Man! Fine, be that way. Even if you're tired of her cuisine. Oh, yeah, let's
1: fucking just peel the fucking band off right now. So,
2: yeah, it's the Lizzie Borden house and bed and breakfast apparently killed her mother and father with an ax and got away with it and got the inheritance.
1: Now you can just pay to go there and a nice woman named Leanne Wilbur, will greet you with a tiny axe and even (laughs) tinier axe earrings and tell you a bunch of stuff that is wrong about the history of Lizzie Borden.
2: This episode starts with a warning.
1: Oh, God, yeah.
2: A trigger warning about... uh, Contains dramatization of real people and real events. And the dramatizations aren't the problem. It's the, like, pictures... Of caved-in faces, that might be the problem.
1: Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's it's the 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 actress that they hired to like do the uh, to like overdraw hacking and like a tiny blood splatter. That's the problem, not the close-up of <laughs> Andrew Borden's caved-in. 11 hits to the face axe face. Yes. Where his eye was cut in half. Yeah. And dangling on his cheek. Yeah. So rough. I wasn't ready for that.
2: No, no. It's some real faces of death
0: fucking rotten, yeah. rotten.com shit right there. <laughs> dark death. The kind of dark history that we like. This is a a
2: delicious recipe for a haunting.
1: Absolutely.
2: This isn't a fucking party that went all weekend and now we have no. we have ghosts. This is a quote unquote unsolved matricide patricide all the ghosts inside <laughs> recipe uh to end them all. This
1: is a murder so famous it spawned its own nursery rhyme.
2: <laughs> yeah. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother forty wax. <laughs> when she saw what she had done, she gave father forty one. It's a dumb one. It's
1: a bad rhyme. It's also sexist because, in actuality, the stepmother got eighteen wax and the father only ten to eleven. So. Mm. You know, women representation being erased (laughs) through history.
2: Yeah, yeah, she took a lot. She took a bigger beating, Joel. Yeah.
1: Because I'm me and we're us, I did have to write show specific (laughs) rhymes based off of the nursery rhyme.
2: Yeah, I'm here for it.
1: Zachy B and his crew could have done some research, true. Instead, they said it was demonic and acted like they smoked too much chronic
2: oh okay
1: and you know there's lots of theories that go out uh one of them of course that is presented in this episode and we will talk about more is incest that -hmm. there might be incest involved
2: yeah they act like this is the episode where that's coming out as for the first time when it's actually like a long-standing theory
1: yeah very cute that that psychic was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm revealing your secret. Like, yeah, that's been that was like printed day two after the murder. <laughs> Fuck off, lady. Yeah. Jesus Christ.
2: Well, it was clear that the, the Gack boys had not had not done their research because to them it was brand new.
1: That was the first thing that inspired me to write the rhyme because I, I just thought. Uh, Lizzie Borden had an ass and she would make it clap, clap, clap. Daddy thought she dummy thick. And so he gave her that daddy dick.
2: No, Joel, <laughs> I hate you so much. <laughs> uh,
1: I have one. I actually have you like a four line, <laughs> a four, four sonnet poem here. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. This is how I would describe this episode in the. The style of the Lizzie Borden (gasps) nursery rhyme. Zach was given a sharp axe because he had an itch to scratch. He looked at Aaron and he grinned because he sought his beta's end. Some playful swings and axe-based banter made Aaron shake with nervous laughter. But in the dark, with all doors locked, Aaron's laughter turned to shock. Zach held the axe above his <laughs> head, and Aaron thought he wanted him dead. Zach got so close that it truly spooked him, making Aaron gasp as he pooped him. <laughs> A joke it was, after all, Zach shaking his demonic thrall, but Aaron was left to brood as he mutters to himself, not
2: cool, dude. Oh, wow. Very good. Very good. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I was yeah. bored at work.
2: Better that's better than this episode. <laughs> I'll give you credit.
0: It hurt. But I liked it.
2: I think we should start in with Leanne Wilbur and this this fucking the true crime slash paranormal grift oh, that God. we are so used to.
1: This made me mad because this is a one of the most well researched cases. In history,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fucking famous.
1: really, They're just pushing like Lizzie Borden was the murderer. She even says a line that the uh, uncle who came to stay was like, "Yeah, the police thought it might have been him, but quickly dismissed it. It's like, no, no. <laughs> he was like a full fucking there was a whole thing. oh, anyway, dude,
2: it's so well, and also she's she is one of those people that we see so often on this show. Just like fucking mm-hmm. Scott Kelly, they have to put on this act of being spooky when deep down, yeah. they are not spooky people. they just know how to how to get money.
0: Money is greed, and money and gold, it can kill you.
2: I was in a really bad mood today.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, watching this episode, and the like spooky flirting between Zach and Leanne. Where she's like, oh, we treat everyone like family here. And he's like, whoa. And then they zoom in Ugh. on a fucking clip art. like <laughs> p- p- Picture that somebody fucking printed out on their computer. Oh, God, that shit like, makes my toes curl. I get so mad.
1: There's, there's a lot to hate, including Leanne and Zach wrestling for the axe, where then Zach uses said axe to... Accidentally cut Aaron's hand, which is very nice. Good friend, good safety,
2: Zach. I also like when Aaron makes a pretty decent point early on, where they're like, they're looking at the Lizzie Borden room where she where she killed her her stepmom, mm-hmm. and you know Leanne's like, yeah, he she like whacked her in the head like eighteen times until it was like nothing. And Aaron's like, well, that sounds like aggression. Like, probably sounds like, that sounds like uh, like something personal. And then Zach is just like, nah, it was a demon.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously, Zach, it's gotta be a demon. It's always a fucking demon. It's
2: always a fucking, no, like, this is, the- I feel like this is the turn where the show goes from being about ghosts to being solely about demons?
0: 100%.
2: It's a cathlo-centric demon hunting show now.
0: Is there some dark spirit or curse that's affiliated with the Borden family at that property? Sounds like aggression. Sounds like someone taking it out even though they know they're they're dead, they just keep doing it. Personal. Or somebody possessed by a demon. Leading us to question if the Borden family's murderous lineage was caused by demonic forces at this otherwise unassuming property. Right.
2: So Leanne, she sits Zach down on the the spooky couch <laughs> where, where Daddy Borden got his head mushed up. And, oh, Zach's dreams come true mm-hmm. as a woman doesn't even ask permission and doesn't need to be asked to do it. She grabs his body and pushes him into, <laughs> into the couch.
1: He has, like, the posture and, like, the look on his face of, like, a cat <laughs> that finally, like, submits and just, like, goes, like, kind of, like, flat.
2: <laughs> yes. The energy between her and Zach and the boys, this might be highly specific, but this is what it makes me feel like. It it reminds me of three boys are hanging out, and one of their little sisters <laughs> has been forced to come over and hang out with the boys and she's really anxious, but like, she really wants to like impress them and flirt, Mm -hmm. but she doesn't know how. And the boys are amped up to 11 because they're all trying to get her attention, but they don't want to seem like they're trying to get her attention. Do you know what I'm saying here? Is this too specific?
1: I mean, this is definitely something that you experience more than me, but it's something that I can grok. It's something I can understand. (laughs)
2: i feel like i have been in that situation and now i'm getting triggered by these grown ass men and women. there's a
1: lot of childishness in this episode in fact for the subject matter this might be one of the most childish episodes ever <laughs> in behavior yes! in jokes and it's contrasted with literal gore yes like she brings out the photo of andrew you can see like the beginning like it's zoomed up kind of like on his torso and like his lower body you can see like the beginning of the gore and you're like okay that's a good hint of how gross it is and it's like oh no we're gonna pan up yeah love it i'm eating i'm trying to eat a burrito right now it looks like a massacred face (laughs) thank you zach
2: so i can't tell if like the super mashed up one it's obvious it's like post autopsy
1: no, 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 it's not.
2: Then why does his does he have a perfect square shaped cut through his chest?
1: The thing with the autopsy is a whole sub genre subsection sub-genre. Of discussion. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: The guy who uh, did the autopsy, I think is Dr. Dolan. He really fucked up because it's the 1800s. But one of the things he did initially was take out their stomachs. And intestines to try and determine time of death by what was in their bowels.
2: Wow, I thought it was like it was like, boy, I wonder how they died. <laughs> better, better check their stomachs for poison. <laughs> yeah, but he also did some
1: really fun stuff, like uh, chopped off their heads and boiled the skulls oh. with for all the meat to come off without consulting the family. <laughs>
2: so it wasn't an open casket
1: so the funny thing was he didn't tell anybody he did that because the whole point in his defense was like oh we're gonna boil the skin off so we could see the cuts more clearly yeah to try and like help establish anything it doesn't but somebody brought out the skulls of the parents in the trial and lizzie was like Oh shit, and she began crying so hard that she vomited.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine she may have. Whether she killed them or not, seeing your, seeing your, your dad's skull brought out, <laughs> that's yeah. going to be a disturbing moment. What a time, man. What a time to be a doctor. What a time to be a murderer. You could get away with anything.
1: Especially if you're a woman. Holy shit. And we're going to get into that.
2: (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) Their next interviewees, Matt Moynes and Tim Weisberg, two paranormal investigators who saw a woman get scratched by spirit. And Tim said to the spirit, why don't you pick on somebody more your own size, recognizing (laughs) his own girth? Then Tim was pushed into the door <laughs> anime style with his arms above his head. <sighs> and Matt does that to Aaron and you see the, the lust flash across Aaron's face.
0: What you got was this and he immediately went back to- oh. the, You actually could see the handprints on the albums. Oh my.
1: I really wanna know what you would think that these three boys band name would be based on the way they're shot.
2: Okay. Okay. So, so Zach's in the middle. We got the two boys on either side. They're doing this like moody goth looking down with a light from beneath.
1: Mocking of the Trinity.
2: Uh, I think just casket with a K. <laughs> casket
1: with a K. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Casket with a K. And then like they all make like a vaguely casket shaped like hand
2: symbol. <laughs> That's very hard to do, Joel. I know, I'm, I'm doing it right now. I'm trying to do I'm, it. <laughs> <I'm>,
1: I, <laughs> Wishes <of> Warlocks, <laughs> and Matt, just do it with us at home. Try and make a casket with You, you can kind of do it.
2: That is the most metal thing I ever heard in my whole life.
0: High five.
1: Casket with a K, they bring in Liz Nowicki, and the camera moves <laughs> by itself to try and focus on her in a way that looks like somebody stepped on the cord.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and then they adjust
1: the camera again, and
2: it, and it happens it again. again. Oh my God! It's you know, it's fine, it's whatever, it's interesting. But then Zach makes it into a whole long annoying thing.
0: So typically, it's the living that will try and record the dead, yeah. but in this case, it's the a dead. The dead, dead we're investigating the living. The living. Yeah, wow.
2: Huh. Usually, it's like the living is trying to film the dead. But in this case, and the whole time he's saying this fucking Tim is just like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. yeah, yeah, just finish yeah. it. We, we see where you're finish going. We see
1: where you're going. Yes, we're yes. Going. The dead. Please, we're please, trying please, to film please, the please, living. Please, yes,
2: please, we got please, it. Please. Okay. Oh my God. Oh my God.
1: He's doing the smile and nod of desperation. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. <sighs> wrap it up. Wrap it up. Try, wrap trying it up, to, wrap to it up. like please. finish his
2: sentence. Dead. Filming the. Oh, yeah, filming the living. Yeah
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no. We we got it. And then, but like Zach, just like the inevitable heat death of the universe. <laughs> Just continues marching on, oh, unstoppable, oh, never slowing, oh. but never speeding up, just going the pace that he wants to. We
2: we also heard from Liz herself, where she describes the horrors of an astigmatism, uh, <laughs> where she was there and things got blurry. To be
1: fair, she is probably the least convincing medium they've ever had on this show, which is saying a lot... <laughs>
2: She's just a fan. <laughs> it comes out later. She's just a fan. She's like, I love what you guys do to, to Aaron. I love it's it. So I, I it's love so it. Great. It's so funny how you're so mean.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like with her and Eleanor Thubalt, uh, the yes, tour guide, Eleanor
2: the Elder. Eleanor the Elder.
1: Who all does not like the basement in which Tim got pressed up against the wall. Uh, Both her and Liz have those great like New England, Massachusetts accents that just comes out every once in a while where Eleanor is like, I was going down the stairs, the stairs. (laughs) And I'm like, yes, please talk more. You're giving me joy.
2: (laughs) Please. Yes. Say more. Continue, Eleanor. And as I'm climbing the stairs, I remember one seance in particular. I heard that this time i was
1: right here i realized what i need in my life and i need to find it is an australian ghost hunting show oh like to to hear a bunch of australian bros like oh it's what?
2: called it's called nor <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck yeah <laughs> Oh, nor
1: (laughs) it's a fucking demon. Oh,
2: nor (laughs) I'd buy that for a dollar.
1: (laughs) Speaking of problematic things, we get to our next the uh oh guests. (laughs) We start with Cat Woods. Cat
2: Woods, child,
1: the owner's daughter already very uncomfortable upon seeing her on screen because i know what's gonna happen
2: yes through
1: her story and through zach's reaction to it and after six seasons we have now i think really nailed at least one of zach's main tactics for flirting with women
2: or small children
1: (laughs) i think he applies it to everybody but he really likes to use it on child women (laughs)
2: They're called girls, child, child women. <laughs> the women of the child persuasion.
1: Yes, yes, little girls. Little girl, little girl. They're up in Abby's room. Abby, the stepmother. Yes. And she tells Zach the story of
2: getting a little tug.
1: Yeah, a little tug because she was looking at Abby's jewelry and she felt a tug on her ear as though somebody like a parent disciplining a child. And I I thank God that Zach did not just reach in and try and grab
2: like this. I would like to (laughs) discipline you now, cat with my own tugging do
1: you enjoy tugging yourself (laughs) but (laughs) you know we're putting we're putting zach on trial right now but he
2: Mm. and
1: this is this is how zach flirts what i think i think what happens to zach one of his main tactics is he says something that he thinks is quirky and fun and then he calls attention to it and then doubles down by doing a bit mm. and just makes the woman watch him do that. Yes. And he thinks that is flirtation.
2: I mean, it works. It works for him. Not with Cat. I love Not with Cat. Oh, I am so happy that this child is not interested in Zachary at all. I love this. <laughs> She's no Bailey. <laughs> this girl is just Telling it like it is.
0: I kind of feel like an attorney right now. That when you were looking at the jewelry, you also glanced at the photo of Lizzie Borden?
2: That's actually Mrs. Borden.
0: <laughs> Who is it?
2: Mrs. Borden.
0: Oh, That's not Lizzie?
2: No. <laughs> Aaron swoops in like Batman to save not only the joke, <laughs> but this little girl and the day yeah. <laughs> by ending the whole skit. Perfectly. That's what we call a mistrial. And that's what we call a mistrial. Aaron, typical fucking big step, <laughs> big step into the improv. You
1: know, earlier you had your your specific reaction of like feeling that energy of like a a, a little sister brought into a scenario where she has to be like <laughs> over the top. Zach's laughter and look at Aaron triggered something very specific in me, where it's the look of somebody who was trying to lay game. <laughs>
2: just got owned
1: he's trying to do the laugh to play along but he's gi- it doesn't reach his eyes and he's giving Aaron the what the fuck bro <laughs> the fuck
2: getting somewhere with this 13 year old girl <laughs>
1: <laughs> bro bro why are you stepping on my dick bro <laughs>
2: and that's why zach gets so excited when he finds out wait Kat. since you're not playing ball here you have a sister And she's also a child?
1: You've got a coward, bitch-ass, wuss (laughs) sister?
2: You have a sister who's actually scared?
1: You have a sister that I can pressure into doing something that makes her uncomfortable? Yeah, we're
2: meeting her right now. (laughs) We are meeting her now.
1: And so Zach, like, Kool-Aid man, threw the wall (laughs) to get at Lauren. Cat outs Lauren for being a wuss, for not wanting to go back there, because when Lauren was seven, (sighs) She fainted on a bed.
2: Zach first has to get her voice with his, his lavalier mic. So he's like, oh, it's like kind of short. Sorry. That means I'm going to have to be really (laughs) fucking close to your face when you speak. Yep.
1: (laughs) It only gets worse when. It gets so much worse. They're in the hallway, ready to go up to Bridget the maid's room (laughs) at the top. This is when Zach is doing full fuck boy. (laughs) He's doing the hot boy lean on the stairs. His eyes go down and they stay down on their bodies for a while. ruh (laughs) row,
2: Dude, it's really bad. It's really bad. And his, like, his body language of him, like, putting his arm up on the wall and he's like, hey, you know, like i know you're scared right now but like i'd really it, it'd really make me happy if you were down to like come upstairs with me right now just like me and you it's gonna be like fun yeah
1: you can bring your sister that's cool there's enough zach to go around
2: ah! no
1: the only shot that is more uncomfortable is when nick was filming cat from the side profile and you could just see his gaze on her <laughs> And then if you look closely, Eric, I think as Nick is like really staring her down, you can see a hallway in the back. And if you look, it's just it's a flash. But if you pause it at the right time, you can see a blurry image of what looks like a woman with five baby Bjorns on her body (laughs) scuttling on the ceiling towards Nick. I believe Volvia has something Ah, to say to Nick about this scene.
2: (laughs) (laughs) she is she has a quiver and it is full and she draws her bow with her baby that scared the (laughs) out of me and i still have to button my fly up and then we get this moment where zach is like starts asking random questions in the room (laughs) but but the way it's edited it's like um you ever seen that like Mashup of Jonathan Frakes, yes. <laughs> beyond Factor Friction or whatever, where he's like, he's like, you ever ridden a bike at night? Do you ever listen to jazz? <laughs>
0: Is there somebody in this room? Do you remember Lauren? Did you make her pass out? Do you believe in the power of a curse? Have you had your hearing tested lately? Planning a trip soon? Can you remember the tallest man you've ever seen? Do you remember pulling on cat's ear? You just like scaring them? Do you hear me? Come on, is there anybody in here? Can you do something in this room? Do you love to go a-wandering beneath a clear blue sky?
1: Speaking of uh, very dumb things.
2: <laughs> Dude, this sequence is, it's really funny. Because the boys <laughs> go to meet with uh, Dollar Store Jim Carrey.
1: Jeff Bellinger. All righty then.
2: <laughs> Jeff Bellinger at a local cemetery. And they do this whole thing where they're like, okay guys, split up. We gotta find him. Flank. You know, <laughs> like they're, <laughs> they're doing this whole dumb thing. And then each guy films themselves, Zach and Nick, just start waxing poetic about like what it's like to be in a graveyard and how we're all going to die. And someday this arm will be fertilizer. But it's like,
1: Nick seems sincere. Like it sounds like he's working On lyrics for his next album.
2: Will my soul become trapped like so many of the spirits we've come across during our investigations?
1: Zach is doing like an impression of himself. Because he's saying the things he would usually say in a very serious tone. But he's saying it with a like mocking. (laughs) Kind of like over like,
2: yeah, my
1: arm. Can you imagine my arm rotting? The whole time this is being edited like a Guy Ritchie chase scene. (laughs)
2: yeah there's multiple
1: panels (laughs) yeah panels they're (laughs) weaving into each other but like nothing's happening until of course aaron
0: i think i found it nope i just found woodcock
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wood. this sequence is so quintessentially ghost adventures
1: it is sincere it is silly and it is mocking all at the same
2: time the trinity Here's my problem with this whole sequence. Zach is like trying to do his whole thing where he's like, you know, one day you're going to be walking around and then the next day you're going to be underground under slabs of concrete. and That's just like where you're going to be rotting. And But we know, number one, he believes in the afterlife. Whether it be as a ghost or not. He believes yeah. in demons, he believes in God, so he probably believes in heaven and hell. Heaven and hell, yeah. <laughs> New from Casket. <laughs> heaven and hell. Yes. Life after death, my arm rotting in
1: this graveyard.
2: Fertilizer arm is definitely one of their songs. (laughs) (laughs) My arm, it's turning to shit. Shit, shit, shit. My arm, my body, it's shit. Shit for the demons to grow.
1: (laughs) They fist bump Jim Carrey. Mm Mm-hmm. And he he tells them that this is not the first tragedy on the Borden estate. That, in fact, a little talked about story, 50 years prior, one of the uncles of the Borden family, his wife, <laughs> threw the babies down the well.
2: And then cut her own throat.
1: Yeah. One baby crawled up and survived, and she was so disappointed. She was like, well, fuck it.
2: Ugh. That's so weird so weird yeah hang on there was one really funny thing that happened here when aaron does find dollar store jim carrey mm-hmm. i think he forgot his name yeah so uh. he comes up and he goes and he goes hey jay yeah i
1: heard that <laughs> there was a lot of confidence on the first syllable and it really he just off. called
2: him jay jay <laughs> When in doubt, just call somebody by the first letter of their name.
0: Apologize. Sorry about that. I really apologize. It's
1: time, Eric.
2: Are you ready? Are we getting in this? Okay.
1: Because this episode is filled with talk of the Lizzie Borden murders.
2: Not a lot of facts.
1: From the beginning, the information that's presented is pretty bad. And they're really leaning into, like, yes, Lizzie Borden did it, which is pretty much how everybody at the time felt which is why there's a fucking nursery rhyme (laughs) yeah but uh we said we were only ever going to do one true crime podcast but we're making I'm making liars out of us because it's time for episode 2 of come solve me
2: in the crime (laughs) come solve me in the crime (laughs)
0: Sounds like aggression. Sounds like someone taking it out even though they know they're they're dead, they just keep doing it. Personal. Or somebody possessed by a demon. Leading us to question if the Borden family's murderous lineage was caused by demonic forces at this otherwise unassuming property. Who do you think towed down your ear?
2: Probably her. I was looking at her stuff.
0: Was her picture there? Yes it was. It was. hmm You also glanced at the photo of Lizzie Borden. That's actually Mrs. Borden. Who is it? <laughs> Mrs.
1: Borden. Oh, that's not Lizzie? No. Is that no. On this trial? Just like the Vasilla Axe murder was like an insane case that like knocked the Titanic out of the headlines. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Lizzie Borden murder was like world famous. Lizzie Borden comes out as the only suspect to ever truly go to trial and she is acquitted. <laughs> What's interesting about the Lizzie Borden murders is that when you really look at it, It is both 100% absolutely the truth that Lizzie did it, Mm. but it is also 100% impossible for her to have done it.
2: Whoa. It is like it's Schrodinger's murder. Demons. 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 Demons.
1: Based on the evidence that we have, She's the only person who could have done it and she super didn't do it. Whoa. It's it's really interesting.
2: Okay. Let's do this. It all
1: all depends on how you look at the evidence. All right. Hit me with it. She was born to Sarah and Andrew Borden in 1960, but Lizzie, Lizzie's mother died when she was two. And then Andrew marries Abby gray in 1965. And she becomes Lizzie and Lizzie's sisters, Emma, uh, stepmother and by the time we get to 1980 was it 1982 yeah 1982 (laughs) is when the murder happens
2: 1892 fuck damn dude this was an 80s murder that's (laughs) sick she was probably high on coke
1: yeah lizzie was wearing day glow fucking (laughs) shirts and had like the highest updo
2: (laughs) yeah she had a side ponytail (laughs)
1: well so around the 1890s lizzie and emma are both confirmed spinsters single women over the typical marrying age at the time which was like if you're not married by 22 you're basically off the table as far as desirability which is so funny to me unreal it fucking unreal so they both lived at home with father andrew and stepmother abby in a home that was considered way below their station because Andrew Borden was rich, one of the richest men in this town. But Andrew was a notorious penny pincher, and he made them live in what was considered for their family a small house
2: six bedroom.
1: Yeah, six bedroom small house with a little farmhouse, little farmhouse on the property. Sure, yeah, small, but it was in like the poorer area of the city. On, like, a major thoroughfare, which is going to come into play. Mm. Like, there is a big street right out front. Mm -hmm. A lot of people moving and shaking. Mm -hmm. So, reports kind of differ about how Lizzie feels about everything. Uh, Some say she was frustrated with her living situation and that she had... A a general distaste.
2: (laughs) So common. Living like a commoner.
1: Like the rich people at this time had like electricity and indoor plumbing where... The Bordens were still doing, like, kerosene lanterns and, like, didn't really have indoor plumbing. Fair.
2: I would have fucking axe-murdered my own family uh, (laughs) for a fucking flushing toilet.
1: (laughs) Having, like, only limited running water and, like, a a tiny cistern in the basement is not great. People would say that, like, Lizzie would shoplift and it was so common that, like, the shop owners would just dill her dad And people would say that there was like chilly behavior from Lizzie towards her stepmom when she would only refer to her as Mrs. Borden, not mom.
2: (laughs) I just really want, I really want a remake of this story, but it's fucking, it's, uh, Nikki and Paris Hilton, like, (laughs) playing the sisters. (laughs) I would love that so much.
0: Is full? Oh my god, they're getting human
2: stuff all over Slippery. This
0: is sick.
1: The flip side of that reputation is that Lizzie is pretty active and well-liked in the community, specifically in the church. She's a Sunday school teacher, volunteers to teach immigrant and poor children and like cooks for them every once in a while. She's part of the Christian temperance movement, which means she's a total prudish asshole. Oh, yeah. No drugs, no sex, no fun. God. Which is very popular for women of, of her class at the time to be a total fucking wet blanket. Call
2: me a killjoy, but I think that because this is not to my taste, no one else should be able to enjoy it.
1: So some big things that lead up to the murder are Lizzie and Emma get in a fight with Abby and her father as her father opts to give Abby one of a very valuable piece of property, which the sisters get pissed off because they're like, why are you giving it to your fucking wife who already lives with you? Why not give it to us? Yeah. The dad does. That dad, the dad's just like, oh yeah, sorry honey, I'm gonna give it to the girls, and then the girls just turn around and be like, uh, we don't actually want the property. We're just gonna sell it back to you.
2: What? Wait a minute. He he yeah. gifts them. Okay, this is some bullshit right here. So so he's he's like, hey, I have this property. Uh, I'm gonna give it to my wife, and the girls are like, no, oh, so stupid, yeah. give it to them. And so he's like, okay, fine, I'll give it to you, and then they're like. Cool. Uh, buy it from us.
1: Yeah, exactly. What the fuck, man? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, rich people, man. It's the same in any generation.
2: <laughs> money, please! Money, please. I, I give her some money. It's easier.
1: Three days before the murders, the family starts getting really ill after dinner. The first time, it's because they eat spoiled swordfish. <laughs> okay fucking morons
2: spoiled swordfish
1: uh, apparently the fish had been like just out in the summer for like days
2: yeah well i mean like this was a time when people didn't believe in like germs they're just like i don't know um uh, maggots just appear Yeah, It's fine. just a natural it's fine. thing that happens you just scrape them off
1: it can't all be blamed on the fish because the next night they also get sick from their dinner To the point where the day before the murders, Abby goes to their doctor and neighbor, Dr. Bowen, inquiring about being poisoned and asking about the potential that Lizzie was doing it as she was not suffering nearly as much, Hmm. which is further made valid by the fact that reportedly the day before the murders, Lizzie went to Smith's pharmacy to buy Prussic Acid. And she said it was for cleaning a sealskin cape that she had.
2: Whoa. <laughs> oh, fucking bitch. Fuck her, man.
1: <laughs> but of course, prussic acid is also odorless and colorless and can be very much used as a poison. Mm. The pharmacist did refuse to sell it to her. She didn't seem to press the issue. Huh. The other thing is the day before the murders happen andrew's brother and lizzie's uncle john morse arrives at the home unannounced basically with nothing lizzie apparently overhears something said in a conversation between the two where then lizzie talks to a friend of hers she's worried that something bad is going to happen to her dad and she's worried that someone's poisoning their milk gross then we get to the day of the murder and because of how this was investigated We have a pretty fucking tight timeline of how things are going down. 6.15 a.m. Everyone's getting up. The main players in the house at this point are Andrew, the dad, Abby, the stepmom. Emma has gone away to visit friends 15 miles down the road in a town called Fairhaven.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And John is also there, the, the uncle. And Bridget, their maid, is starting their chores. The uncle leaves for the post office. It's around eight forty-five, and then to visit his niece. Abby tells Bridget to wash the windows at around nine a.m. Lizzie comes down to the kitchen, right, like pretty close to then. Bridget goes outside to puke because she's still fucking reeling from it.
2: So rough. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, just like I, I just love like it just imagining me like calling out of work, being like. My tummy hurts a little bit. I'm just not yeah. even going to go. I'm not going <laughs> to go in there. And then this woman's like, I'm an indentured servant. Like, I I can't lose this. I have to do this every day. I'm vomiting, but I got to keep washing the windows.
1: Got another day, another dollar. You know what?
2: Fucking tainted swordfish. Yeah. Another song by Casket. <laughs> Tainted swordfish,
1: <laughs> vomited
2: servants, <laughs> vomit maid.
1: Vomit maid. <laughs> they bring out like a big Eddie from Iron Maiden <laughs> size mannequin on the stage, and it starts spinning and like pouring vomit.
2: Puke maid. <laughs>
1: yeah. It leans over the front row of the crowd. It just goes left or right, puking on everybody. <laughs> and people are like, Yeah. Puke maid, puke maid Bro, I saved some of the puke
2: maid's puke And it <laughs> smells like fucking shit <laughs> It smells like Tainted swordfish
1: <laughs> So so at this point Around 9am, the only people Who are confirmed in the house Are Bridget the maid Lizzie Borden and Abby The stepmom mm-hmm. Very soon after everybody leaves Between 9.30 and 10 Is when they think Abby Borden dies from blows to the head Everybody's got an alibi at this point. Andrew is seen at the union savings bank. John Morris arrives at his destination uh, with his niece at nine 30 and Lizzie appears at the back door as Bridget goes to the barn and Bridget tells Lizzie that she doesn't need to lock the door. So again, like everybody's kind of accounted for and nothing seems off about Lizzie.
2: Well, I mean, if she's outside and the only two people who are in the house are Lizzie and Abby and it's a, it's taking place on the second story, right? Yep. Uh, maid is on the first story
1: cleaning windows windows
2: outside. She's not going to hear somebody smacking a brain up in, uh, on the second floor.
1: As the testimony goes at nine 30, which is just around when, uh, Abby was killed. Lizzie does appear at the back door as Bridget goes towards the barn and Bridget actually talks to Lizzie and like Lizzie is not covered in blood. Right. Mm. So again, that will come back later. So the next big thing, you know, Bridget, the maid is like talking to another maid from next door, like over the fence.
2: They're like, Oh, how much did you puke today? She's like, Oh, just a little bit. I puked a little bit in my dress, but I'm going to have to like clean that as well later uh, but this is our life
1: their neighbor miss churchill sees bridget washing windows uh andrew st- stops to talk to this guy jonathan clegg down at the fucking market and so right around like ten forty, andrew leaves the shop comes back to the house can't get in because all the doors are locked uh, So he goes to the side door and he he's fumbles with his key and he's led in by Bridget and at and this is ten forty a.m. Bridget hears Lizzie laugh on the stairs right outside the guest room where Abby's corpse is exploded right now. <laughs> According to Lizzie, she laughs because uh, Bridget says "pshaw" while fumbling with the locks. But okay. Bridget sees Lizzie go into the dining room and speak to her dad. And this is all in the next half hour. Her dad lays on the couch. Lizzie asks Bridget in the kitchen if she's going out. tells And tells Bridget of a note left by Abby that she's uh, has left the house. Bridget goes upstairs to take a little nap as well. Right then, between 10.55 and 11, Andrew Borden dies. Whoa. And we know that it's pretty much then because... As Bridget is going to lay down, she is immediately woken up by the church bells at 11.
2: <laughs> this makes me... So, like, I've been playing a lot of, like, sneaky games. I'm doing a lot of the sneaking around, throwing rocks to, like, distract people. And they go, huh, what's that? And then they walk, walk away. But while they're not looking at you, you can do whatever the fuck you want. You can stab somebody in the neck. You can light somebody on fire. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just that level of logic where she was like just watching the the maid go upstairs and she's like waits for her to shut the door and then just lays into her dad's head. Yeah. That's what had to have happened.
1: Here's where it gets interesting. 15 minutes later, Abby goes, "Oh my god, dad's fucking dead. Go get a doctor.
2: His head is mush. He ha- his eyes are popped out. Go get a doctor." we we need his stomach removed right now.
1: <laughs>
2: Someone boil this
1: skull. <laughs> but so like this is how tight it is. Like it's 11, 10 to 11, 12 a.m. Is they get the doctor, right? And wow. the doctor's not home, so they go to a neighbor. Eventually, the police are called. The police come, and this is all happening in like the next hour, right? damn between 9 30 a.m and 11 two people are dead there's two people who are confirmed at the property but somehow there's almost no
2: evidence i mean like right now i'm all like obviously it's her there's no doubt in my mind currently so i'm excited for you to maybe give me pause when
1: i first started researching i was like yeah the bitch did it
2: yeah now obviously
1: pretty sure it's not her Oh,
2: really? I'm going to bust this thing wide open. So,
1: so number one, she's essentially the only person who could have done it, for sure, because, A, she was the only, she was at the scene of the crime the whole morning, and she had essentially no witnesses to corroborate her alibi. So the Mm -hmm. maid, Bridget, did see her intermittently through the day, and her only story to back herself up is that she had gone to the barn that morning to look for sinkers for an upcoming fishing trip in the loft of the barn huh. and the, po- the police say that upon investigating the barn there was a thick coat of dust and there was no footprint so it looked like it had been undisturbed for some time hmm. she's claimed that abby left a note about going into town to see a friend no one ever found that note uh, she was reported as being sedate and distant and uncaring when interviewed by the cops about the murder.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, that could be shock. That could be shock.
1: Oh, uh, we're going to get into why none of these work.
2: Oh, uh, uh, nothing personal.
1: Yeah, nothing personal, kid, but we're going to disprove that pretty fast. <laughs> There was a bucket of menstrual rags in the basement that Lizzie was, quote-unquote, washing. She said it was her menstrual rags that were found on the day of the murder. But because cops are men and everybody else involved were also men, no one wanted to touch it because girls are ooky and periods are
2: scary. Oh, my God. I just, I love that so much. I just imagine these these couple of cops come down. They're like, say, that looks like a bucket full of bloody rags. And the other one's like... I believe it's her uh time of the month. She poked
1: her head around the corner, she's like, uh, those are my menstrual rags, and they're just like,
2: Ewe, oh, Ewee, and they ew. just like danced, like tiptoed, danced away like with their hands up, like, oh yucky yucky
1: ooey Johnson, put those rags down.
2: My Who God. knows
1: what you could catch? You'll get hysteria. <laughs>
2: Her her uterus might pop right out and strangle you to death, Johnson. My God, drop it. Why don't you like men?
1: A couple days after the murder, she is seen burning one of her dresses (laughs) because it quote-unquote
2: has paint on it. Yeah, all right that's a that's a great way of cleaning something
1: she is she's the only person with any sort of motive to that stood to gain millions of dollars in today's dollars yeah. uh, upon her father's debt but all of those pretty pretty much all of those have some really big problems with it the the thing about not being seen in her story about the sinkers it turns out the cops were lying about not finding footprints in the barn. Two kids on the day of the murder, they testify to this in court. Two kids wanted to check out what was going on and they're chewed away by the cops. So they go into the barn and are like chilling in the barn, trying to get glimpses of what's going on. Mm. Okay. The note that Lizzie said Abby left, cops actually did find a note. But when Dr. Bowen showed up to the scene, Not only did he fuck up a lot of stuff, but he saw the cops trying to piece together the torn up note. And he was like, that's of no consequence and grabbed it and just threw it in the fire. What? Yep. The doctor did that? The doctor did that. He was like, balderdash, this is stupid. (laughs) And he just took it from them. And the cops were like. Okay.
2: Yet again, a reason to be a doctor or a murderer at the time. Yeah. Because you could get away with anything.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of Dr. Bowen, about Lizzie's uh, cold and distant approach while questioned, well, Dr. Bowen filled her
2: full with morphine. Oh, 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 that'll fucking chill you the fuck out.
1: Dr. Bowen pumped her full of morphine for
2: days. Okay, guess what? Yet again, great time to be a fucking doctor. Um, Man, you can just huff ether all day. You can just shoot up fucking opium and (laughs) morphine and shit. Damn, dude. To be a doctor in the 1800s, what a good time. Chill.
1: So the burnt dress thing, that was the thing that really got me until you read into it and the maid confirmed that they had painted the house green the last year and that Lizzie was like hanging out with the painters and like kind of like participating sometimes and supervising because she's bored, right? That's what fucking women do. Lizzie Borden. Women who were rich would just burn old dresses because they didn't have to save the fabric or anything and Lizzie was like yeah, I was just making room for my new funeral dress that I'm going to wear to the funeral. And she did this in front of cops that were still stationed at her house. Like the cops saw her doing this and they were like, all right, cool.
2: That's out the window.
1: The motive of the money, it falls apart pretty fast because one, her dad was almost dead anyways. He was like 70 at the turn of the century. So like he's going to die any second from whatever right one more bad swordfish and that dude's
2: out (laughs) Dude, it was the swordfish.
1: He, well, yeah, he came. This ghost of the swordfish is the demon. <laughs>
2: it wasn't an axe. It wasn't an axe. The swordfish came into the house, was like, You ate my tainted brother. And he <laughs> fucking hacked him up. Wriggle, wriggle,
1: wriggle. <laughs> well, yeah, they never found, they never, they think it was a hatchet. They never found the murder weapon for sure. So it could have been the blade of a swordfish face. Ooh also uh lizzie was personally wealthy like she had money she had the money from the sale of the house right so she ha- she didn't worry about money not that great of a motive the police are really living up to their storied history of being incredibly inept and incompetent
2: <laughs> just a fucking boy some things never change
1: on the day of the murder this is one of my favorite little factoids i found uh most of the cops in this this very populous area were gone, Eric, you know what they were doing? What? They were celebrating cop day at the, the fair
2: uh, cop day at the fair.
1: <laughs> they were, they went to the County fair to celebrate them being cops. And they were watching vaudeville acts like Slappy Daniels doing magic <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and- <laughs> Fucking eating Ah. fried butter.
2: Little people hitting each (laughs) other.
1: (laughs) Come look at this woman who has a mustache that rivals my own. Oh, they fuck. left, They left like, the B team, the fucking D team. There was, like, five cops in charge of this whole city. When the murder was reported, officers like Cletus and Cracker Barrel and, like, <laughs> racist Randy. Jim Bob. By, <laughs> Jim Bob. They all came down, and the first thing they ask Lizzie is, like, uh, so did you see any Portuguese people?
2: <laughs> ah. Did you see any uh, Portuguese? It's got to be an immigrant, right? Obviously. 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 Build the wall. Cancel. Damn it. <laughs> the way it looks from the way these people were murdered, yeah. it's an anger killing, obviously, because it's like overkill. 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 Kill. Killer,
0: and Kilimanjaro.
2: She got, she got so many fucking stars and stripes for that match. She hit
1: that combo. She dropped down. She, she did some <laughs> she fucking, fucking teabagging.
2: She, <laughs> she promoted. No! I just don't imagine that there was premeditation. I think it's luck. For me, I imagine she, she kills her stepmom, and then her dad comes home. Uh, maid goes to sleep and she's like, fuck, I'll just kill him. I like now. your theory
1: kid, but, uh, nothing personal. Oh, I'm about to <laughs> blow right the fuck out of the water.
2: Oh, okay. I I'm here for it. Here's the I'm thing ready. that
1: makes it pretty much impossible for Lizzie to have done it. The timeline man. So 18 wax with an ax. How much blood do you think would get on her? Right? She'd be coated.
2: Yeah, it'd be it'd be
1: a bit. Yeah. And what did they not have, Eric? It was running water.
0: In yeah. the theory
1: that Lizzie did this murder, somehow she hit this her stepmom eighteen times in the face with an axe, didn't get blood all over her, or got blood on her, and somehow cleaned it. Again, between nine thirty and ten. To the point where she seemed (laughs) fine and was like seen wearing the same stuff by Bridget and her father. And so to compound that, her dad gets murdered right around 11 o'clock. And then in 10 minutes, Lizzie calls the maid down to be like, my dad's murdered. And again, Lizzie's got no blood on her. (laughs) Like and she's wearing the same fucking clothes.
2: <laughs> hey man, o- oxy. They clean. didn't have oxy. They got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they got. They don't
1: got bleach.
2: They go. It's that fucking. It's that baby seal oil. Uh, that, that, acid that she or whatever couldn't whatever. buy. Couldn't, that she couldn't get. The okay, turnaround right. time
1: for for cleaning up the evidence either shows some insane premeditation.
2: Hear me out. Okay. I got one. Okay hit me those menstrual rags quote unquote were two sheets with holes Mm -hmm. in them she shows up like a ghost yeah very spooky she thwacks and whacks and whacks takes it off easy peasy goes down talks to the maid and then maid goes to bed and she's like ah throw on another sheet whack 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 put the sheets in a bowl and she's like oh those are my pads the, my massive pads. you might be right
1: i mean she still would have had uh like very bloody hands probably unless she had like gloves and stuff the theory is it was a small hand axe not like
2: an axe axe Ooh, see, because that like that makes things even worse. Because if it's a small axe, she's even closer. Yeah. So she's even she's getting more. Pretty hard to
1: put in on Lizzie when she's clean. There's nothing in Abby's stuff other than the burnt dress and the menstrual pads, the menstrual bucket, the
2: menstrual thing, dude. uh, Literally, it was right in front of them. It was a bucket full of bloody rags that's Eric, it
1: that is why this is schrodinger's murder it's schrodinger's menstrual bucket because it all comes <laughs> down to that if you go back if you go back in time and you investigate the menstrual bucket and you scare all the men because you're some kind of wizard that can touch women's yeah. stuff and you right, you right, find right. evidence of like bloody like murder sheets then lizzie did it but if it's if it is just a menstrual bucket then how the fuck would she have done it?
0: Whoa, 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 whoa,
1: The prosecutor's main thing, they were blaming it on hysteria caused by her menstruation.
2: Oh my God! Oh. Because men were like,
1: oh, women on their period basically become demons, so they just murder.
2: <laughs> Here's what happened. Lizzie's sex organs, she was, she was in hysterics, which means they were moving all around. <laughs> they plopped right out. The two uh, fucking ovary arms grabbed yeah. the axe, murdered the parents, slipped <laughs> right back in. Yeah, and it was already bloody.
1: What what no one saw was as Lizzie was looking for sinkers in her, in the barn, crawling across the garden <laughs> on on the fallopian tubes, little feeties. It was like blah, 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 blah. it just ran across. <laughs>
0: kill kill
1: kill <laughs> yes that is the truest theory it wasn't her sister who could have potentially come back to town and then gone back to Fairhaven in the time it wasn't the uncle who the police said had like an oddly airtight alibi and a witness saw him speeding away from the house at the supposed time of abby's death oh It wasn't Dr. Bowen who threw the piece of paper into the fire, accused a bunch of random people, was not home initially of the time of the murder, and was reportedly seen speeding away from the area around 11 a.m. by one witness who said he was pushing the horses harder than I've ever seen somebody do that, and that he had a wild look in his eyes and was seen with an
2: unknown accomplice. Could have been any of them. <laughs> oh, God! Uh, hey, guess what? Uh, the uterus plopped out, said, "Hey, come on, guys, let's do this!" Everyone joined in. Lizzie was like, "What's? I'm looking for these damn fishing poles." And <laughs> meanwhile, the uh, the uterus climbed into the house, led a posse of people in there. The uterus didn't do the murder. The uterus just jumped on the face of the of the maid <laughs> covered her eyes
1: you're saying that the uterus was essentially the charles manson of yes. the lizzie so yes and i think charles manson uterus is definitely oh
2: that's a that's a song by casket, <laughs> <by> casket.
1: <laughs> what i think oh, on this shit. closing of our second episode of come solve me in the crime it's time for us to talk about the
0: lockdown this is how ghost adventures crew gets locked down i can't wait to get locked in here i'm just pumped you guys pumped (laughs) let's go get this started i'm nervous
1: i hope you're ready for one of the most eventful lockdowns in the history of
2: GAC. yeah it's uh it's eventful because yet again here we are with the streets littered (laughs) with fucking Zach stands. Tens, tens
1: of of mothers.
2: (laughs) All these weird old hippies.
1: Moms who are into fan fiction are really into Zach Bagans. And that's why they're all out there screaming. And that's why they have Bob, the local Nosferatu, (laughs) running security against them.
0: (laughs) We have a security guard right here. Bob's going to be watching the perimeter for us, making sure nobody tampers with the windows or nobody comes on this property whatsoever. And you might want to ask, well, who would do that? Some awesome fans. (laughs) We love you guys.
1: (laughs) Leanne lets them in. And then Zack is like, hey, at 10, at 10, let that psychic and that fucking tour guide in here, because we're going to get this shit going. And then Zack threatens to kill Aaron.
2: Yep. Throws down a REM pod, uh, starts screaming at the REM pod. I love
1: this REM pod session. This is the best REM pod session they've ever had.
2: It's pretty damn funny.
1: I, yes.
2: And, and like they don't even focus on how fucking hilarious and bratty the REM pod is being at this point.
1: Zach does not like bullies now or in the hereafter. And this, is, this REM pod is bullying him.
0: <laughs> I'm here for it. All right. What I want you to do is turn it off. Step away from it. Are you a male or a female spirit? Once for a male... Twice for a female. Stop it. Stop. Stop.
2: God, and I just, I had such a zoom out moment. <laughs> These three grown men. Yeah. Standing in the dark, yelling at this little REM pod, going beep, 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 beep. <laughs> yeah (laughs) and there's fans sitting outside waiting all night to see maybe zach comes out without a shirt on yeah and now years later here i am watching this show in my fucking tiny ass apartment getting ready to record in my closet i don't know man everything's stupid (laughs) Everything's so dumb. <laughs> oh, I made myself
1: sad. Right after this, they get some shuffling, and Zach is like, "Oh shit! Okay, let's look behind us." And then he hears a hiss. Oh! And we hear it on the EVP. Oh! And it is a pant shitter.
2: Yeah. No, that's an OMG. That's a that's a fucking scary ass hiss.
1: It is because it's not not the sound of a cat. No. It sounds like fucking other like, like it's real bad <laughs> and the sequence of events like right after that like Zach is like I heard this hiss and then they hear footsteps go up the stairs again very audible and Aaron
2: hears the footsteps and they're like follow them fucking idiot And Aaron like, but they were
1: like this they were like this but they were, but like, they were Aaron, really go. big steps the steps lead them to Abby Borden's room But then they get an EVP that they says, I'll take you to heaven. And they ask if it's sarcastic, which, what does that mean?
2: No. Are they saying
1: that Abby Borden's going to suck their ass so good that they're going to (laughs) ascend? Like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean?
2: It's also a really bad EVP. Typical, like, (coughs) in an
1: episode that has some of the most OMG EVPs of all time.
2: This one's pretty low. This is low on the list and I want you to play it back for the episode because it sounds so much like when you're coughing and then you sneeze <coughs> <laughs> and, and you feel like your head is about to fucking explode. And, I, and then I actually, and then I was like inspired to believe that that's actually what happened to Lizzie Borden's parents. <laughs> yeah. They, they sneezed and coughed at the wrong they, time. Yeah. Their heads just did that.
1: They both, on the same day, had the same idea where they would try to sneeze with their eyes open. <laughs> Fucking Zach in this in Abby's room by her himself as as you can hear Nick being like this is the energy. What happens if uh,
2: it's so funny that you can hear Nick saying the dumbest shit down below him, but they have to put it in. Because otherwise people will think it's a ghost voice. So they have to show the stuff that normally they would have cut out.
1: Sounds like a high schooler after his first big bong rip. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: uh, Of cinnamon. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So like, when you die, then that's where you are. But like, forever. Can you imagine if you're dead? (gasps) Zach, in the other room,
1: he hears a noise, and he goes out to investigate the main room of Abby's room, and then he notices the drawer of Abby's bedside table has been opened.
2: Yeah, and if this were a game, this is when you take that item.
1: Oh yeah, you take that flashlight, because you're about to face an enemy that can only be hurt when it's illuminated by light.
2: Yes, yes. So he has been offered a flashlight, which is pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. The, these these ghosts are like, uh I noticed you guys are like stumbling around in the dark. Jesus
0: will guide me. Sorry. I, really I wasn't even looking.
1: I kinda love this episode because of this moment in particular, because not only does Zach do the due diligence of proving, like, hey, look, the drawer was closed when I was going around. Here's all the footage. Uh-huh. And we're doing the side-by-side comparison of the sound that I got on my camera uh-huh. and the Pretty sound good. of the drawer opening. Pretty good. It's, like, exactly the same. Not only that, after they he gets the boys back upstairs to talk about this and analyze it, his camera freaks out. <laughs> in a real spooky way.
2: <laughs> okay, so so here's the thing though.
1: Oh no.
2: Yes. Yes. Mm-mm. Yes.
1: Don't don't do this. Man. <laughs> I, I was
2: so excited. It's been a long
1: time since the skeptic in me was turned down enough to enjoy this. So
2: sorry. I I had to don extra clothes and one of those God. pieces of clothes was a hat. It was a God, hat it, and ever. it's a Dora. I'm so sorry. Not like this. Another personal kit.
1: <laughs> What's wrong with this? Tell me. Tell her.
2: They film themselves checking the camera and what they are filming with is a mini DG camera. They're filming on tape. And what I think is happening is that it's a typical glitch where the tape is just a little off kilter Because that thing has running motors inside. Yeah. It's just a little off kilter and vibrates the whole fucking camera. Sorry. Uh, It ain't spooky. Uh, It's bad technology.
1: (sighs) Well, I guess we'll go to the next cool thing. That I thought was pretty cool (laughs) until maybe Eric shits all over it again. Where after the commercial break, they bring in Psychic Liz and Old Lady Eleanor.
2: Yes, the sleepover is about to get lit.
1: The seance is beginning. They put on their jammies. They're going to do, you know, light as a feather, stiff as a board.
2: It's time to spin the bottle.
1: They're gonna not going to do spin the bottle. They're going to do spin the hatchet with an EVP recorder on it.
2: <laughs> New fucking device alert. Yeah. <laughs> EVP hatchet. Fuck off, chapel. <laughs> Fucking the boys are making their own devices now, and they have strapped <laughs> a, a recording device to a small hatchet and made a uh, uh, an EVP hatchet. Is
1: very very powerful. Picks
2: up lots of whoop whoops. <laughs>
1: They're feeling all this negative energy, and Liz the psychic mentions. That the the forces typically pick on girls.
2: And then Aaron. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: possessed (laughs) by that demonic force. This
2: is it. This is it for Aaron. This is is the moment he loses all the points he gained this episode. Oh. Because he was carrying this whole fucking episode for me. Mm -hmm. He saved Kat from a, a, a fate worse than death. Mm-hmm. He he rescued the graveyard skit by being dumb and funny. Yes, he has been lifting up this episode by trying to steal hatchets away from from Zach. This is it. This is he loses all those points. <laughs> Fucking dumb shit asshole. Only well, picks on girls. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, there's three girls in here. Nick and I are the only men you oh, for the ghost. Right. Yeah. I know where the axe is. <laughs> I can make you a girl
1: <laughs> You're taking away points from Aaron for finally full-on bullying Zach.
2: Okay, he is equating Zach to these two women, and that's supposed <laughs> to be a bad thing.
1: Eric, we had two different inter- like. I was proud of Aaron for burning Zach. So hard that you actually see Zach get sad.
2: But his burn was to be like, "You're a woman," which is not good. No, he does not get points. He gets no points for this one. Okay,
1: I will say though that it does set the scene, because Zach talks about for the rest of this seance feeling anger and feeling <laughs> this like this this feeling of like wanting to hurt. And it's clear it's just is because this where
2: it started. <laughs>
1: it's because he didn't have a zucchini on hand mm. to put Aaron in his place,
2: and he couldn't ha- he couldn't get him with the hatchet right then because they it was a new device. He'd have to take it apart.
1: So Zach is just sitting there stewing that Aaron said a girl comment at him, watches why Zach's like playing with his hands the whole time. He's like this motherfucker. I think that's why they leave the lockdown early <laughs> is because Zach just can't wait.
0: Because of all these violent emotions and this rising tension, we feel at this time it's best that Liz and Eleanor exit the house immediately. And we conclude our lockdown.
2: Yeah, I'm into, like, leaving. And that's when we get the EVP,
0: keep on killing,
2: keep them coming.
1: And that's from upstairs where nobody is, so it's pretty good.
2: Pretty good
1: shit. And that's when Liz the psychic says she's not feeling good, and so Nick... Right after the last syllable <laughs> leaves her mouth, he's like, "Me too. I'm not feeling good. I'm cold. I,
2: I, I'm sick to my. I'm, I got a sicky tummy." Did
1: I? Did you eat swordfish? Because I feel like I just ate five day old swordfish in here. I
2: I'm feeling bad.
0: Did you used to? Did you used to have oysters down here and eat oysters?
2: Also, just as this is happening, Zach mentions in the in the narration mm-hmm. that possibly. The ghosts have learned how to use their devices. <laughs>
1: They're learning. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Part of the whole kayfabe of this whole thing has been that ghosts remain the same, right? Yeah. Because if ghosts learn and change and evolve...
1: Well, Eric, it's because it's a demon.
2: You know what it is, Joel? Joel we need to stop worrying about the fucking AI robotic revolution. And we need to worry (laughs) about ghosts and demons coming for our jobs because if they can learn and they don't need to eat and they don't need corporeal form, fucking we're done.
1: Well, and they make anybody that they possess stronger, better, faster, more fit, thinner, be as thin as a ghost, according to Zach Bagans. (laughs) So really like-
2: Mm. god damn dude no ai ain't got shit on the paranormal
1: you know speaking of modern technology zach brings out the spirit box and drops a little nugget saying they're gonna do a reverse sweep which means yeah. that it's playing the stations like backwards i guess
2: No, no 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 joel it's not playing them in reverse Because it can't do that.
1: It's just reverse... It's just going backwards through the stations? It's just
2: going... No, because, like, you would have to record it first and then play it in reverse. What it's doing is it's going backwards through the stations. But that also ruins the whole random station thing about it. Saying that it it goes in reverse means that it has a direction. And all they're doing is basically... It's a device that just turns the tuning knob really quick.
1: I mean, that's what it, we've always known it to be true. But listen, it gets some good <laughs> words.
2: Yeah, the first one sounds just like me. <laughs> you got it. You 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 have to play it on the pod. It sounds so much like me.
1: Is this Eric Hoofnagel?
2: It sounds like me. They're all together.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll do a, a side-by-side comparison. And, you know, the the spirit starts nice. It says, thanks to Zach, which is very sweet.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And again, yeah, they play the audio. It's pretty good.
2: And then... Yeah, and, like, he asks about who got killed or who lived here. And it says, Borden. Yeah.
1: And then... It's pretty decent. Again, another of, like on-the-mountain segments, big if true, a flashlight randomly turns on in the corner, and then they get a really scary EVP. (laughs) Tell them about the girl! Okay,
2: so uh, here's a great thing, Joel. Oh. I'm going to need you to listen to that EVP again. Uh Uh-huh. We're going to play Pareidolia because... If you listen to that realizing it's actually just Eleanor fucking vacating her bowels, <laughs> you'll realize it is exactly the sound of someone shitting.
1: Oh no. Oh no. Listen
2: to it again, dude. Listen to it again. It is someone shitting. Themselves. I can't I
1: can't wait to rip the audio <laughs> and turn that up.
2: It's like it's like <laughs> It is Full on, like shitting the pants sound, and I l- I couldn't stop laughing.
1: Which is warlocks. Listen now as I make a comparison of two farts and see which one is the EVP.
2: <laughs> Zach starts balancing the hatchet. In his hand, and he's like, "Knock it over! I'm balancing it." And then Aaron offers up his old melon head as sacrifice, and he's like, "My head's right here. Do it."
1: Yeah, because we this is like a cautionary tales of swords moment. Like, don't fucking touch (laughs) axes, Zach. You're gonna kill your friend. Just
2: one of the many sword tricks that I know. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, just sticks
1: in Aaron's head. It just covers them all with blood. Which is why Ab, fucking Lizzie Borden can never have done it because she wasn't covered in blood. Anyways, mm. there's one last thing on the spirit box they get. They say they get a name of who was killed, and they say it gets. They say it says Abby. Mm-hmm. But I too have to don my fedora <gasps> and say not so fast wait sorry kid (coughs) nothing personal this fedora tip goes out to it obviously being bobby because b is one of the most easy to hear fucking letters because b is so percussive and at the it's round and percussive at the same time bobby bobby boy bitches butts it's a funny (laughs) word and it's easy to hear it you fucking listen to it it says bobby and that's nothing. There ain't no Bobby. Can
0: you tell me what your first name is? Bobby. Abby. Did you Abby. hear that? Abby. Uh, did you hear that? Yeah, I
2: did. Bobby. 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 Uh. Nothing personal.
1: They ask if Andrew's there. They get maybe... <laughs>
2: He's such a, he's such a goofer.
1: Maybe, huh? Maybe. Hey,
2: hey. I don't know which part, which part, because my brains are all over the place.
1: Yeah, I'm all over. Hey, I'm a little bit here, a little bit over there. (laughs) Ha ha. It's me, Andrew. Lizzie killed me. Listen, Lizzie, did you kill me? It's Like, yeah. (laughs) Lizzie says her name. Great. Zach does his fucking axe tricks. And then Liz... Starts feeling anger, which is absolutely Zach wanting to kill Aaron with the axe.
2: And this is where shit gets icky. Icky enough that the boys had to cut it all out of the episode.
1: Theorizing a very common story about Andrew and Lizzie having an incestuous affair that can't be on cable television, but the mm, photos of photos his crush, of his his their
2: mashup face. God Jesus, Christ
1: holy totally fine. No great. It's
2: also so dumb because we can't show what she said because it's just too fucked up. And for respect for the dead, we won't do any unsubstantiated claims. And then they just imply that shit over and over for the rest of the episode. So whatever she fucking, maybe she she just got really nasty with it. She,
1: she bust out her own erotic fan fiction and Zach yes. was like, oh
2: god,
1: okay.
2: And she started saying daddy too much and he was just like, oh god.
1: Andrew, I have an accusation that you took uh, out your hot, throbbing, hard 70 year old cock and you made your daughter <laughs> take it to the
2: beast. base, <laughs> all the way to the beast
1: And Zach was just like,
2: eh. "Um, so in respect, in respect to our viewers and to the dead, we're gonna remove all that, Liz."
1: Liz, we're gonna cut this, but heart to heart, we're gonna need you to stop
0: i don't i don't like this i don't feel good right now i don't either i have a stomach ache, to be honest with you
1: he does throw some subtle shade at liz because nick stands up saying he's gonna barf and liz says she's getting sworn at and they do get an evp that they says like fucking horror or whatever dirty horror but the next one as zach says as liz was whining about getting sworn at, <laughs> cute great zach very nice they do get probably the cu- the clearest EVP they've ever gotten. Like one of the top.
2: Yeah, the go ahead and cry. There's like, it's ugh, it's just there.
0: That one just, is ugh.
2: really creepy. Swearing.
0: Swearing.
1: That scared the out of me, and I still have to button my fly up. And that's a great one to end on. And they, they do shuffle everybody out of the house at, like, 11. So I guess not a really full lockdown. Whatever.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, not even a real lockdown. Because at one point, when Nick is t- complaining about wanting to puke, Eleanor is like... Do you want me to open the door and let you outside? Yeah, hey, hon, do you want? Do you need to get outside <laughs> there, huh? Honey, if you're gonna puke, I'm gonna let you out into the yard, okay?
1: I'm a tour guide, okay? I don't want you puking on the fucking stairs. I gotta walk up them in the morning.
2: I've already shit my, my pants. <laughs> I've already shit all my pants.
1: That's why everybody's feeling sick. Is no, Everyone's yeah. not acknowledging the fact that it smells <laughs> so bad. <laughs> It smells like rotten onions and swordfish. And everyone's just like, oh, is it Abby Borden in here? Ooh, oh, dude, got I gotta it.
2: go. I gotta get out of here. I feel sick. We have to leave. <laughs> and then we get the weirdest, like, post-interview. Yeah, we cut to Cowboy Zach. Yeehaw. Co- yeah, Cowboy Zach. And uh, Aaron's wearing a big step-in shirt. Hell yeah. Represent. Yeah, get that brand deal. I got that shit now. Damn right, Um, dude. And and even weirder, Nick is wearing like exactly the same clothes always. That's his one shirt, and it's like weeks later. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Volvia wants to make sure her scent mark stays on him.
2: <laughs> she, she's, she only lets him have like three shirts and they're all the same.
1: She, whenever he puts on a shirt, a new shirt out of the laundry, she just like leaps on him naked and snail trails all over <laughs> it, rubbing her pheromones on his body. You're mine! <laughs>
2: You're mine!
0: I'm ready to get out of here. I'm ready to get the hell out of here. I'm out. Sure, I'm out. Get out
2: what did you feel about this episode? I'd say it was a bit of a Lizzie burden waka, waka. Oh. on my time, oh. uh, <laughs> because it was uh, difficult for me. This was, maybe I was just in a bad mood. Yeah, I was just feeling. I was feeling the Borden blues, and I was ready to fucking slam a hatchet into this episode eleven times. but you know what it had some good evidence yeah some decent uh spirit radio responses the the rem pod responses were hilarious yeah i i truly i i guess as far as an episode goes i can't really complain
1: the first 18 minutes the introduction of this episode i hate it stupid it's dumb. The the way they presented the Lizzie Borden case was shitty. The fact that they're monetizing that death in a bed and breakfast way is uncomfortable to me. <laughs> and I don't like I don't like casket as a band. I don't think their product is great. Oh,
2: you're not you're not here for casket. I'm not
1: here for casket, honestly i feel i feel like their solo careers are probably better but mm. the the lockdown part of this was the most fun as the skeptic the more skeptical of the two of us typically that i then that i've had on this show in a long time like it's there's a lot of great segments that flow into each other there's a lot of weird shit happening the only yeah. bummer is that they fucking tap out uh. <laughs>
2: I guess more reason that it's uh, a a legit haunting. Yeah. You know? Like, the boys gave up because it was too scary. But, man, if Nick had actually fully puked, (laughs) just sprayed vomit across the table onto those two women and his two (laughs) friends, that would have made this episode... Fucking S tier.
1: If it turned into Chunk's story from Goonies where Nick pukes and then Aaron yes. pukes and then Zach pukes on the women and the women puke on Zach and everybody isn't, puking. Isn't,
2: isn't that the story from fucking Stand By Me? Yes, it's very similar. You
1: are right. I wonder which came first. Because oh. Chunk's story is that he brought fake vomit into a movie theater and he was on the balcony.
2: Oh, and everyone starts vomiting.
1: Yeah, he made this. He dropped the fake vomit on people below him after making the sound. What?
2: It's like the same thing. Uh oh. Damn, dude. Our, our, our childhood's a lie. Anyways, so speaking <laughs> of,
1: of making Zach puke, mm. let's make him puke by. Giving him the butterflies in his stomach as we challenge him to come (laughs) fight us in the dark.
2: Let's be the butterflies in his stomach.
0: This is very dangerous, guys. It's like we're going in for the attack. I'll be ready to perform an exorcism. Show me your power. You guys are playing with fire. You
1: will remember that I was once a camp counselor at a summer camp.
2: Oh, yes, indeed.
1: And Zach's complete lack of any sort of blade safety in this episode was very triggering to me. Oh, no. I think we need to teach him a lesson in blade safety, and we need to make the stakes appropriately high. Because I think Zach has this internal desire, like his intrusive thought throughout his life is to kill his best friend, which is toxic. <laughs> I want to put on my shorts, put on my lanyard, put on my fanny pack, you know, start singing my camp songs, and invite Zach to a a basic blade safety training. But here's the here's the catch. Every time he gets something wrong and he goofs about, his friend Aaron Goodwin is on a table. And every time <laughs> That Zach makes a mistake. The axe above Aaron's head, positioned perfectly, gets ticked back one more tick until it's the final mistake. And if Zach makes that mistake, it will swing down and slice Aaron's face right in fucking half.
2: Joel, isn't that what he
1: wants? Well, we're going to really tempt fate here. (laughs) Zach is going to do a few goofs just for fun and oh, that's yeah, gonna really he like he's gonna get the axe about halfway back just on bits because he's having fun torturing Aaron I'm gonna be like listen here's your circle of blood you gotta extend your knife or your axe in this case all the way out in front of you and swing it in the circle slowly to make sure no <laughs> one's in there and he's gonna be walking up he's gonna be walking up to people like you're in my circle <laughs> you're dead you're dead and that every time he does that the the axe goes t-t. <coughs> And right as it's at the last tick You know he's probably taking it a little bit more seriously He's like okay okay I don't actually want my friend to die And the television screen Just pops up And Aaron's like There's only uh, three three women in here Because the only (laughs) men Are me and Nick And then you know Either Zach Learns a valuable lesson about safety And takes it seriously That's great I want to help the man Or he doesn't and Aaron gets his head chopped off, and Zach goes to prison for murder. Oh. Also me. Also me,
2: because you, you, I set you, up this you up. Have, you have sacrificed yourself here. I think this is all, like, great training to build up to what I'm going to put on the table. We've learned a little bit more about the grifting mm-hmm. that can take place with the paranormal and true crime. Yes, and I think I've found a way to get in on that money, while also taking out Zach Baggins. Sort of a two birds with one stone, maybe two parents with one axe. Oh <laughs> shit! Oh, so I am going to open up my own location mm-hmm. called. Glizzy Boredom's <laughs> Hot Dog Hackin' Bed and Breakfast. Oh, good. <laughs> We're serving only very large hot dogs, and everyone, everyone is only allowed to eat them with comically large hatchets. <laughs> no boredom allowed. Oh, we have live live performances from Gizzy the Glizzy Gobbler. Yeah, his tight five is constantly <laughs> going on. <laughs> we've got people, we've got people uh, juggling axes. There's no boredom allowed. But the thing is, we've seen how Zach reacts to other people enjoying axes. Oh yeah,
1: he's uncomfortable.
2: He gets violent violently uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Now, what I see is the, f- the, the final show of the night. We bring Zach in. He's going to be having a good time. He's going <laughs> to be eating glizzies, just slamming them down, having a good time. But he's going to start getting uncomfortable realizing other people are enjoying these axes.
1: Yeah, juggalos are juggling axes.
2: Hatchet Man, whoop, whoop. And I think the final show of the evening is your challenge, Joel? <laughs> we pull the we pull the blinds aside, and there, on the, on the wheel, is Aaron Goodwin. Yes, and it's a hatchet throwing contest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but in order to participate, Zach has to show that he knows the rules of safety because everyone else in there has completed the course
2: it's not to throw a hatchet and hurt hurt aaron Mm. that's when you lose aaron is surrounded by glizzies (laughs) and if you cut any of those that's how you get the points
1: oh and zach zach is tempted
2: zach has been trembling at this point
1: and unfortunately for zach he is going to cause so much damage to himself ripping axes out of people's hands just to try and participate (laughs) because he is not safety conscious he does not know the rules he's going to run with the axe over his head he's going to trip onto glizzy on the ground
2: comically (laughs)
1: slip because it's a large glizzy it's going to go oh
2: they're huge
1: and he's gonna he's gonna have the axe and it's not down by his side with the blade pointing back as it should be. It's over his head, so when he falls, it lands right on his
2: dick, and he is the one that becomes oh, a woman. Oh right in front of all these families and teenage girls. Yeah. Oh no. And that's when that's when Eleanor vacates her bowels and oh, everyone no. laughs. Oh, Eleanor. <laughs> oh, that's perfect.
1: That's the right. That's <laughs> Eleanor farting, is the way to end that.
2: <laughs> I love it. Oh, so dumb. Is that what you can do? Is just make some stupid little noises? Because that's not going to make me scream
1: like a little girl. Dance floor Show yourself. Witches of Warlocks. Thank you for being here with us on the second episode of "Come Solve Me in the Crime." (laughs) Next, next episode, I don't know anything about it because Discovery Plus just says it's Letchworth Village, and it's an abandoned mental institution complex in upstate New York.
2: Sounds pretty typical to me.
1: Yeah, I I see Zach with a gas mask. He's learned.
2: (laughs) Great! What a good
1: boy. I'm excited for next time. I'm excited for the weird shit we're coming up with for the Patreon. I'm excited to talk about our secret project. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll talk about mm-hmm.
2: it. And Eric, hey, hey, you love me the most, right?
1: Of course, I love you very hey, much. Hey, I love yeah. you back, buddy boy. You're the best. You're you're just a, you're a light. A shining light in my otherwise pretty dull existence. So I love you I
2: am, I am the dysfunctioning tech that shines a light on your life.
1: And I am the angry and bitter troll that you somehow find love in.
2: (laughs) Hey, good night, witches and (laughs) warlocks. Goodbye. (laughs) Uh
1: all right all you witches and warlocks thank you so much for listening we really appreciate it You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Instagram, and Twitter at CFMITD. You can also join us on Patreon at CFMITD for exclusive content like our Continued Paranormal Challenge series, Come Fight Me in the Dark After Dark for all the content that's too hot for the pod, and other exciting new content we come up with. Send us an email at comefightmeinthedark at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our brand new website at comefightmeinthedark.com for all the art, news, and merch we have. We love you all and have a good night.